Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. I'm your host, Melinda, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carmel. Hello, hello. In studio today, I'm very excited for our special guest. He's an award-winning journalist and host that focuses on the intersections of pop culture and politics. He has contributed to New York Times, Variety, Essence, and Shondaland, just to name a few. You may recognize his name as the person that broke the Melania Trump and Michelle Obama RNC plagiarism story. He also co-hosts Drop the Subject with Jared and Allie on Channel Q and he was named to Ebony Power 100 in 2016. Our special guest today is Jarrett Hill. Yeah, it always sounds really good when someone reads all that off. Like, <laughs> right? Don't you love that when somebody sounds, else reads your bio? That guy sounds cool. Right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. I love it. Dude. You're like, oh, I did do a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> well, thank me. you so much for joining yeah, us. You, How's you. everybody's weekend been? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty chill for me. Yeah. I can't complain. Yeah, well, I've a lot good. of traffic t- this weekend. There's a lot of people in L.A. I don't know why. <laughs> Listen, what is the story of Los Angeles? Right? Oh my gosh! And all the fires. There's a recent fire Another in Burbank, fire. Yeah. which was a little too close for comfort. I'm pretty far south, so I normally am not even close. You don't to even the get fires. close, yeah, because you're in Inglewood. But like right? two yeah. weeks, oh, yeah, okay. Inglewood. But like two weeks ago, I went outside and I could smell the, the smoke, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god! Like, yeah. So yeah. you the, could it smell the, it. It was the Getty fire. Oh, so, okay. So yeah. then yeah. you got yeah. that one. Yeah. But I'm like, is somebody like have it out for LA? I, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> the whole state, really. I like, mean, right, it's just, right. it's it's never ending. I'm just like, where are these fires starting? But hopefully we'll, we'll get them at bay soon. Uh, but today we, we have a, a really good topic and, I, and hopefully we're going to have a great discussion. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about racism in the LGBTQ community. So Jared, I'm really excited to have you here to have this discussion because I know it's a topic that Carmel and I have wanted to talk about. Sure. Um, so... One of the first things I kind of want to ask that I've noticed, at least, because I have a lot of uh, friends within the LGBTQ community, and it's something that I'm very passionate about as far as justice and equality, just in the work that I do with this podcast and the blog that we have and in the church that I attend. Do you feel like there kind of is a lack of unity within minorities and the LGBT community as a whole when they're fighting for injustices? Within the LGBTQ community? Yes, yeah. I would say that I find that racism shows up in the LGBTQ community the same way it shows up everywhere, mm-hmm. but I think that the umbrella of LGBTQ kind of gets seen as, like, one group, right? right kind right, of the way right. that um, I always point out, like, we always hear these narratives about black voters like this, mm-hmm. black voters like that, right, and it's right. like, but black voters don't all want the same thing, <laughs> right, right? Like, right, the right. black church might say X, and black people over here might say, but, like, black voters think about things in, in various different ways, sure. and I think um, it's important for people to think about uh, the LGBTQ community the same way. Like, mm-hmm. being lesbian is not the same thing as being a gay person mm. or being a bisexual person mm-hmm. who's understood in a whole different way, mm-hmm. which is not even nearly the same as being trans or right, 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 or identifying right. as somewhere else on that spectrum of queer. So that whole uh, umbrella, I think, represents so many different perspectives. But then you throw race into it, and it's like being a white gay man is a very different experience than being a black gay man. Um, Or being a white lesbian. My my show that I host every day, I'm a black gay man, and she's a a white lesbian. And so our worldviews are very different. Mm -hmm. Um, We're both (laughs) born within a month of each other in the same region. Like, we both come from the Bay Area, but, like, our worldviews are both very different. So. Um, I think that racism shows up um, in the same way that it does in our professional lives, in the same way that it does in our neighborhoods, and the same things. But um, I think people don't tend to think about it that way because they all, all of the LGBTQ community kind of gets grouped together. Is that and as a, is that a byproduct of how adamant the LGBTQ community is with their their definition of themselves, or how you know they, they tend to put that out forward front? Like mm-hmm. that's the thing we kind of lead with. 
um, is that a byproduct of that? Like, is, is, should it not be the thing they come forward with first is that I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm trans versus I'm black, I'm Hispanic, I'm whatever? Um, I think putting gay forward is probably more of a white thing than it is for as an LGBTQ thing. Hmm. Um, I find that uh, white gay people tend to center their lives around being gay. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find black and brown people tend to center their lives around being gay and a person of color yeah. at the same time, yeah. right? And like those things present themselves in different ways for different folks on the spectrum of um, of the queer spectrum, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find like I show up just as black as I do gay. Mm. Sure. Um, and I show up just as gay as I do black. And I mean, I'm... I have a bit of privilege in that, like, I can walk down the street and maybe someone doesn't know that I'm gay. Right. But you always know that I'm black. Exactly. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, I'm also, I always joke with my friends, like, I'm literally a professional gay. Like, (laughs) I'm on a gay radio station, right? So, like, um, so, like, uh, me being gay is, like, a major, is a part of my identity for a lot of people. And, like, it is for me, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, it's, I think it's something that is different depending on where you are in the race spectrum, in the, uh, in the LGBTQ spectrum, and how you present as well. Um, I think that with a lot of people who do not, um, are uh, indistinguishably gay, right, um, uh, where you can't just, like, walk up and know that this person is gay, um, I think in the that same ex- way you clearly can see that you're black. Exactly, right? right? right. But then mm-hmm. there are some people who are, like, obviously gay, Yeah. right? Yes. And yes. so, like, their right, experience right. of being gay in America is very different than the imperceptibly gay person. For sure, so, for yeah. sure. How do you feel um, racial injustice and injustice with LGBTQ uh, community are similar? I think they're very similar. Um, I've, I've been saying, and I always catch flack for this. I almost use a different word. Uh... Because I think that the civil rights movement, um, whenever people hear civil rights, I think black people tend to always capitalize the C mm-hmm. and capitalize the R mm. um, and feel an attachment and an ownership of the words civil rights yeah, yeah, as yeah. if it's only for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like LGBTQ rights are civil rights, right? Like women's rights are civil rights. Um, all kinds of different like groups of people that need protection are civil rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the LGBTQ rights are something that is a civil rights issue. It's not the civil rights movement, which is its own thing that right, happened in the 60s. Right, for sure, for sure. Um, but it's about being able to have access to, you know, the same things that, that black folks wanted. Um, wanting to be able to keep my job because of who I am. Wanting to be able to live in a certain neighborhood. Wanting to be able to get married. Wanting to be able to adopt children. Wanting to be able to live my life as who I am and not be persecuted by the law, right, or right, by my job, right, or by right. my neighbors, or whomever. So I think they're there. I don't see any real separation between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think? Because for me, I've noticed that the LGBT commu- LGBTQ community. I feel like they've advanced more in what they've wanted to achieve as mm-hmm. far as you know getting equality, even more so than the African American community or any other minority. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is, or do you agree with that or not? Advance more than. Than like let's say the black community, mm. like for example, getting reparations is something we're like still like where yeah, are they? Yeah. But you know, I feel like LGBT with marriage equality and the things that they've wanted, they've been able to achieve those in a quicker amount of time. Mm-hmm. I don't see it that way um, because like the LGBTQ equality movement was really about marriage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like. Um, I think when people think of LGBTQ rights, they immediately think about marriage and like, you guys got that. What else do you want? Right. Right. <laughs> right. And right. So, um, right. But the reality is like, I want to make sure that I don't get fired from my job for being gay, mm. which is still the case in a lot of right, states. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I can adopt a child with my partner 
God willing that ever happens, right? right but like, right. I want to be able to it adopt a child, issue, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I want to make sure that I can stay married because people in California were able to get married and then that was taken back and yeah. then it was given again. Yeah. Um, and I mean, realistically, with the Supreme Court that we have right now and, you know, the the way that things are set up legislatively, we don't know how long that's going to last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm a trans person, I want to make sure that I can serve in the military. If I'm a gay person, I want to make sure that I can keep the right to serve in the military. Yeah. Um, but like the LGBTQ rights movement was really just centered around marriage. And I think that's something that um, there's, there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of work to expand that, mm-hmm. right. To make sure it's like, yeah, we got married, but like we have other things to worry about as yeah. well. So, um, but I think for black folks, it's been different because like, we just wanted to be whole people, yeah. right? Like we wanted to be able to vote, wanted to be able to live in a certain neighborhood and do all kinds of different things. So um, I think black folks, our movement has been like a very long one, but I also think that like the ramifications of being black in America are so much bigger than they are for LGBTQ folks in a lot of ways. Um, I, sometimes I think about reparations and I think to myself, like how insufficient money would be, mm-hmm. right? Like give me the check, <laughs> right? Right, right, right? But right, also right. like, but like if the government is going to offer a check for, you know, insert value here, like that doesn't do anything for the way that they destroyed our families. Right. That doesn't do anything for the lack of access that we've had to education and um, financial services mm-hmm. and health care and, and housing care, yeah. and mental mm-hmm. health and, you know, all of those things. So whenever I think about reparations, I think like we're still a couple of steps away from even really having conversation about yeah. reparations in government yeah, yeah, yeah. because like we live in a country that still doesn't even acknowledge like the damage that slavery did. I right. can't even mm-hmm. apologize for that. we even did right. that. Well, Cause right. I think, you know, putting Obama in presidency fixed everything. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it made us post-racial. Right? <laughs> right. But like, if we are, if, if we're in a country that can't even apologize for what it did, if you can't apologize, you can't even acknowledge what you did. Mm-hmm. Right. And say like, and, and then really do some assessment on the damage that that did to those people, and then we can try and repair. Right. Right. Yeah. So right. we're like steps yeah. away from actually being at reparations. Yeah, yeah. And on that, that same note, people, when they finally do admit to anything, it's like, oh, it was so long ago, when it really wasn't. Yeah. People forget how, how much after slavery, Jim Crow, things were still having to deal with 53 years, 54 years later. So the fact that we needed civil rights in 1965. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like a yeah. hundred years later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, does it seem also then like to give some of these civil rights, some of these things to the LGBTQ community, are they almost also lumping blacks into that? So if we give them something, it's all civil rights. It's, it's for everyone. We don't have to single out black folks. Um, I Well, because I think that premise like erases that there are black gay people, mm-hmm. black LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. right? So like being in that intersection means like I deal with the things of being black and being gay. And so like I might be able to get married, but like I still get looked at sideways when I walk down the street mm-hmm. or I'm addressed differently at in the workplace. And so I think that when I say civil rights is for everyone, like everyone that's not a straight white man, mm-hmm. right? Like, because even on some level, white women are marginalized in certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. Being a woman. Um, but, like, white women are also, like, the bastion for diversity, right? Because, like, oh, but we, we hired women, and it's like, girl, slow down. Yeah. Right. You know? So, like, right, right, right. but um, I think that I think um, civil rights is for everyone because they're everyone that is not a straight white man because, like, we all live in these different intersections of oppression and or privilege. Mm-hmm. So, um, and until, like, kind of that idea like until everybody's free nobody's free mm-hmm. um i think it's it's kind of that yeah do you 
Well, because what I was going to get to is that I feel like why it appeared to me that the LGBT communities kind of had traction in their issues a little more is because there's people of all races fighting for that. Mm. Do you agree with that? Um, I don't think it's because there are all people of all races. All I races think it's because there's some even. really loud white men. <laughs> just being honest, right? Really? Like, okay. If we look at okay. HRC, the Human Rights Campaign, which yeah. is like our biggest like uh, policy arm in the LGBTQ movement, like that's been led by white folks and white men for a mm. long time, mm. right? Even when we look at the marriage equality uh, case that went to the Supreme Court, that was a white lesbian couple and a white gay couple, I believe. Mm. Mm. And so, and it was led by white lawyers, right? White male lawyers. And so I think, um, I heard someone say this and I don't want to butcher it, but they were like, to be clear, like white gays were just upset that they didn't have like access to everything they were supposed to get as white people. Right. You know what I mean? I was going to talk about privilege, but keep going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. like as a white man, I'm supposed to have everything yeah. up in here. All this shit is <laughs> yeah, mine. Right, you know right, what I mean? right, right. But like, I can't have that. Like, mm -hmm. so, but I think that movement, a lot of it left behind a lot of the perspective of like, Oh, but what is the intersectionality of being black and gay? Like, yeah. hmm, why do, you know, one in four black gay men have HIV and AIDS or, or is diagnosed with HIV and AIDS, but that's not the same for white men? Mm. Why is it that, you know, women have this experience, but men don't have that experience? Right, right. And all of the different ways that it, it shows up and breaks down. So... I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, I get what I you're know. saying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do you, so speaking kind of on that privilege thing, what have you witnessed in, in regards to like white privilege happening within the LGBTQ community? I mean, I think. And do it, they even realize that like, yes, you still have these struggles, but you still benefit from white privilege. Even yeah. being a part of this community. <laughs> How much time do we have? We have time. Go, yeah. go, go. Come on. Well, please. I mean, I think it really just shows up. I I work on a gay radio station, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I'm often complaining about, like, we are a white gay radio station. Yeah. And, like, I get pushback on that, but I'm like, we don't play no Beyonce on this, on this station. Like, but this is supposed to be for all gay people? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we got plenty of Madonna tracks. Right. And we've got all the share that you need. Yeah. Um, and all that. But, like, how many black artists are we playing? Interesting. And Not even Beyonce? Uh, That's surprising. There's, wow. like two there's, like, two Beyonce songs or something wow. that get played every now and then. Wow. And, I mean, I'm grateful for my job. But, like, course, I'm, also, I'm the person that's, like, barking about that. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I think we I, – I, and I'm not just, like, bashing my job because I love my job course, and the company that I work for. But I'm more so saying, like, we see, like, little things like that that feel little to white gay people that feel significant to black folks, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. To black yeah. gay folks that don't feel represented mm -hmm. or seen or heard or valued, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. It's, it shows up in all kinds of different ways where um, a friend of mine said to me, and it really kicked me in the stomach, she was like, white is the default for human. 100%. Right? We, we yes. talk about that often. White yes. is the often. default for human. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about the housing crisis, we're really talking about the white housing crisis. Mm -hmm. right? If we're talking about healthcare, we're really talking about white folks mm -hmm. and their healthcare. Mm -hmm. And we know that because we name black folks when we're talking about them. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. We talk about, oh, well, black people in, in Alabama are dealing with... But when you're talking about people in Alabama, you're talking about white, white people, people. Right? right? So the same thing is true within the LGBTQ community. Like when we talk about being gay, we're talking about being white and gay. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about, and, and often male, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it shows up in, in myriad ways that are, are innumerable and probably, it, I, I probably couldn't even like begin to point them all out because it's really just about being white. Right. That's such a good point. Yeah. Can we yeah, talk about I, that I, even in entertainment? Yeah. It's like Absolutely. It is the default. It mm -hmm. is, yeah. yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. we see that because like, 
how is it that there's still like a first black woman on the cover of X magazine? <laughs> right. 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 But we also do that because I'm not going to name the magazine, but like one of our big magazines just had their first black photographer shoot their cover Ooh. within the last year. Ooh. Right. So like wow. there's, there's this idea of like white is right or white is great, which really boils down to what? White supremacy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. white supremacy is not just burning crosses and white hoods oh, yeah. and, ho- and, oh, and yeah. an outstretched yes. palm. Yes. Right? It's about, like, thinking that whiteness is better. And so that always boils down to, like, white is right, white is best, and, like, whatever white folks approve of, whatever white people do, whatever, you know, white people <laughs> affirm is best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What were you I say, would say that's – this is all news to me. I never really felt – again, like I said, most of the time I hear about – the lesbian gay community, I think of them as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I not, have not been privy to anyone inside the community speaking on racial tension or issues like you're speaking right now. So sure. it's kind of it's news to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, uh, if you go to West Hollywood, which is, you know, LA's gay, gay epicenter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, if you talk to black gays about West Hollywood, the experience of West Hollywood is very different than it is for, for, sure. for gays, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, wow. which are white gays. Mm-hmm. Um, West Hollywood feels very white gay. And, like, there are plenty of people who don't feel at home within the gay community uh, of West Hollywood. It's the reason that, like, black gay uh, men have, like, coined their own terms for sexuality and being same-gender loving. And it's like, well, what does that word mean? Because, like, gay has, like, this cultural term to it that, like, is white gay man walking down the street in pride wearing rainbow flags and all that kind of stuff. And that is... Gay is like a cultural term that has really become about being white and gay. That doesn't necessarily embrace yeah. the myriad different ways that that mm. you know LGBTQ people f- show up. So, wow. yeah. as a black gay man, how does it make you feel when? Because I've noticed this mostly with white gay men mm-hmm. that they always talk about their inner black woman. <laughs> and I've uh, honestly wow. uh, growing up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> growing up, I was like, oh, that's funny. But now I'm like, I'm actually kind of offended by mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so I'm curious, as a black gay man, like, how does that make you feel when you hear gay white men say things like that? I feel much more about it from a black perspective than I do from a gay perspective. Mm-hmm. But like, it's kind of that thing we always talk about with like white folks love blackness, but they don't want to be black for sure, mm-hmm. right? For like, sure. you love our style, the culture, the you music, love the, the music, food. exactly, yeah. right? But, like, when it comes time to be black, you sure wouldn't. And I always think absolutely. about Chris Rock. Can I guess? You get, absolutely. I thought so. Okay. <laughs> Chris Rock uh, talks about, like, uh, in one of his stand-up bits, he was like, there's not a white man in this room that would trade places with me. And I'm rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, true. Exactly. And so, like, mm-hmm. the same kind of thing applies in, in every space. And, and, you know, I think most people don't have to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a straight man in America, like, you don't have to think about the intersectionalities sure. of being uh, a person of color and gay and yeah. or trans or whatever because it's not a part of your experience, and mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, but, like, it's, it's, it, it's a real thing. And so, like, to hear white gays talk about their inner black woman, it's, like, this appreciation for, like, how fabulous black women are or how beautiful they are or how sassy they are, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But like you can take that off and go home and, and be white in the right. street, yeah. you know? And right. like, it can be infuriating. Mm-hmm. Like really? Right. What does that mean? I always love to ask like, so what does that, Yeah. what does that mean? <laughs> Explain that to yeah. me. <laughs> well, you know, I mean like, I just, I get so sassy sometimes <laughs> and it's like, is that what it is to be a black woman? Right. No, that's no, that's not are. what I'm saying. But I mean like, no, but, that is what you mean. Yeah. That's literally what you just said. Right. It's, right. It's, it can be really annoying. And like on some level, like 
you know what people mean colloquially, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like you also look at it and you're like, all right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I never understood that. Even just even from straight white men. And what was that movie that came out not too long ago? You mentioned. Laquisha? Yes. Did you ever oh, see this? Oh, my God. <laughs> Did I'm you see the real. movie? Hell no. Yeah, okay, I didn't see either. We watched the, tra- the trailer together and I was like. <laughs> I watched the trailer and wanted to cut it off because I didn't want them to get my streams. I can't right? believe like, it got funded. Right, right. That, of course it got funded. I mean, though. of course You know it got what I mean? Funding, like, yeah. white folks are like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. And it's like. Excuse me? Right. Yeah. Like, in the, what world? And they, they were so and, up in arms over white chicks. Well, I was going to say, and then they <laughs> compare. Well, it's just like white chicks. It's like, it being just like white chicks assumes that all things are equal and we know that they're not. Right. Right. right? Like, right. being white in America is not the same as right. being black in America. Right. If all those things were equal, then sure, then it yeah, would be exactly, exactly like doing white chicks. Right. And y'all probably would have had 30 other movies last year. <laughs> yeah. But that shit ain't how that works. Right. No. You know what right. I mean? So, yeah. Right. Right. Do you find that there's a little bit of resistance with the LGBT community to also fight for causes for like Black Lives Matter, for example? Mm. Um, I think there are plenty of people within community that recognize that like our issues are analogous mm-hmm. and like, oh, these things are related. But I think that there are also plenty of people who feel like, well, I'm fighting my cause, so you fight yours. Right. Mm. Right. And like it's not enough for me to just like fight for Black Lives Matter and for LGBTQ rights when like I see my sis over here that is dealing with X, Y, and Z. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be a feminist as well. Right. I need to make sure that I'm standing up for differently able people. Yeah. And like, and and I mean, can I be as loud a voice for you know other co- other people's causes? No, I shouldn't be a louder voice than you. But when you need my support, I need to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that always happens, especially from like white folks in marginalized communities, like being white and gay. Right. I don't feel like we see those people show up. But I also feel like we don't always see black folks show up for those people either, right? Like, Mm -hmm. black folks have, like, an attachment to, like, our own oppression, which, I mean, is real as shit, right? But, like, then don't necessarily have that love or appreciation um, or or passion for black gay folks or, or gay people in general. But, like, don't recognize that, like, our biggest movements have been led by queer people. Yeah. Right? Like, you named Black Lives Matter. Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter was started by queer black women, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's it's frustrating, but I think it's, you know, it's something that we have to figure out how to get around or or to change. Do you think that it's something that will change eventually? No. (laughs) I don't. I I mean, I don't. Like, I don't see that changing anytime soon because I think that all oppressed groups feel like their oppression is the worst. Of course. Um, It is kind of a me, me, me. We're just that kind of country. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And I feel like the black community as a whole, a lot of our start comes out of church. Absolutely. Which is mm-hmm. a white thing. So let's take that I and mean, then consider now, yeah. as a black male, I've been raised to think about homosexuality in a certain way. So now when I see a gay black man going through a struggle, I'm going to completely disconnect from him because he's gay. Mm-hmm. Yet we share an, an ethnicity that's been completely marginalized in this country, and that's our biggest struggle is really mm. that, not necessarily sure. the gayness. Absolutely, but we don't, I'm not, I can't associate with him because of this thing I've been taught about in terms of homosexuality. So, so take that experience that you talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up in the church, believing these things about gay people and yeah. seeing them, and imagine if you were also gay. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and you carry that because I can tell you my own experience was I've been in church my whole life, right? Yeah. Right, and like when I came out to my family and they told me I needed to be delivered and I was evil and blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah, like I also believed that shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right, like 
what does that do to a person? Of course. And so when it comes to church, like church has been something that has been extremely difficult for me my whole life. And like, I always tell the story of going home to my home church, um, my first time coming home to visit from college and hearing my pastor say to the audience and like single mothers, don't let your, your boys grow up to be punks and sissies. Mm. And I was like, wow. To the whole congregation. From the pulpit in the sermon and thinking to myself like, Punks and sissies is hate speech that I heard in school. Mm. That can't be God. Right. Or if it is, I got some real issues with whatever God is giving. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, that, like, spiraled me into my own <clears throat> really dark shit. Like, sure. when I came out, like, I became really depressed right after I came yeah. out. Because my family was like, you need to be delivered. We need to pray and da 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 and family meetings and all kinds of shit. And, like... It wasn't until for me, I rem- I started seeing like these patterns of really high and really low um, emotionality where I would be at work and I'd be like thrilled about, I was a barista at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> and like, I was like having such a great day at work. And then I would go take a break and sit in my car and be ready to cry. Mm. And then I would have to go back to work and turn it on and then come back down. And, and then I realized like, I don't know what God believes about me and my sexuality but I know that this is not how God will want me to feel. And I remember sitting in my car, it raining outside, very cinematic and, (laughs) you know, and praying and being like, God, I don't think this is how you want me to feel all day, every day. I've spent my, you know, entire cognizant life praying for you to change this, asking for you to change this, hoping that you would change it. And the only thing I'm clear about is this isn't something that I can change. And if it is something that you would have to change, I believe that you will change it. So Mm. I'm not going to spend any more time Mm. crying about this, worried about it, like, you know, scared about it. If this is something you want to change, I trust that you will change it and I'm letting that go. So where did you land with like your spiritual journey and all of that? Um, It's still ongoing. I mean, I was a part of a church. I I was still a church going choir member up until last year. Mm. I've been through multiple churches though. Mm -hmm. And like trying to find a place that felt like, um, I was being embraced, but mm. also like that I could be myself and be embraced. Mm. Sure. Right. And like, I have gone to multiple churches and like, I think the thing that like really kind of killed it for me was like continually meeting obviously gay men and the women they were married to Oof. and feeling like You're not living I'm not truth. doing yeah. this anymore. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you know, that wanted to be really my friend and wanted to like hang out and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And like, and <laughs> right. But like, yeah. it, great guys that like I would be friends with, mm-hmm. but like, I don't feel at home in this church. Mm. I don't feel like there's authenticity in here in a way that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't tell you that you're, that you are gay or that you're lying or that you're anything, but like what you're giving in this energy doesn't feel right to me and I don't want to be around it. Right. And so I pulled myself out of church um, and said like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. In my adult life, I've probably been a member of like five different churches um, and like trying to like really feel it. And like lately I've been starting to practice Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had various friends that have um, been Buddhist over the years and like kind of invited me to come and, um, and, it's interesting because Buddhism has been the first place for me that I walked into the room and it was like truly diverse and felt like if heaven were a thing, I would imagine it probably would look more like this, really? right? Because yeah. I always, I've been in black church, like I said, since I was born. Right. Like 
when I was born, we were members at my uncle's church. Right. 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 And it was always interesting to me that, like, in black church, we talk about being a multi-ethnic uh, congregation and we're diverse. And then, like, there's, like, two white people that go here <laughs> right. and we make sure their pictures on the website. Right, right, right. And, like, I've literally had that experience multiple times. And, like, I also am not a person who thinks that everyone has to believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, my parents, my stepdad is a minister at the church that I told you about. Yeah. And my mom is the, I always forget whatever the title, the vice president of women's ministry, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. in the state of California. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If that works for them. Great for them. That's for awesome. Yeah. And like, I don't have any, um, any animosity or anything like that towards the faith, towards Christians or whatever. My thing is like, I have to do what works for me. And I hope that everyone finds whatever works for them, mm-hmm. whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or, you know, Islam mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or atheism, whatever gets you through the day mm-hmm. and makes you feel um, affirmed and seen and loved and safe do it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And not, I don't want to go off topic too much, but I do have, a, I want to follow up with you on this. Sure. Do you feel that a lot of, um, people of color within the LGBTQ community do still hold on to some sort of faith-based spiritual practice as opposed to the white people within the LGBTQ community? Oh, um, that's interesting. I feel like most of the black gays that I know, and I'm like scanning through, <laughs> going through your right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say almost all of them have some kind of like faith-based background. Mm -hmm. Um, Since starting to practice Buddhism, I've started to unpack my relationship with guilt. Mm. And I was saying to a friend of mine, like I couldn't come to like one of the meetings they were having. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling so guilty and blah, blah, blah. He was like, Jared, the whole purpose of being Buddhist is not being Catholic. Like, stop that. (laughs) And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And he was like, Guilt is not a part of this. Like, it. you don't have to feel guilty because you couldn't do something. Because sadly, that's what the church makes you feel. Exactly. It's guilty about everything. Well, and like, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it through that lens yeah. until literally like two or three months ago yeah. when I heard myself saying like multiple times in a week how guilty I felt about X or, oh, I feel so guilty. And I was like, what is that shit? Mm-hmm. And it was, <laughs> I, uh, I see a therapist every week, but like we're on a break right now and I'm going back at the top of the year. It was like literally the week after our break when I was like, I would be going to see you on Thursday, but <laughs> I don't have no session this week. Right. And I was like, okay, you have to unpack this guilt shit yourself. Yep. You know what I mean? And like really start asking questions. And and I feel like a lot of that has come from faith practices. Yeah. Like I think so many faith practices teach us to feel bad about anything that is not exactly what we hear from the pulpit, even mm-hmm. when we're hearing things from the pulpit that don't represent the pulpit, right? right. Yes. Like, I was a member of a church where the pastor was, like, famously anti-gay, leading the pro-family movement. Mm. And then there was a scandal about what he was doing with the, the college-age boys. Of course. You know what I mean? There are always those ones. Every you know time. what I mean? And so it's textbook. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, I mean, I feel like to be black in America – for the majority of black people, I don't want to say even the majority, but for a lot of black people, mm-hmm. there is an attachment to faith yeah, um, yeah. And, and religion more specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I can say that I still have the faith. I don't have like the the religion in the way that I used to look for. Right, me. and I think Great. there's a separation between 
having a relationship with God and then having a relationship with church. Mm-hmm. I get leaving church. Listen. I mean, I, I'm a worship mm-hmm. leader in my church. My church is a very affirming church. Yeah. Always welcome if you'd like to come. It's a really <laughs> incredible community. But I appreciate that. Of course, of course. But I think that what makes me sad is like, I was like, no, if you know God, you know that he's cool with who you are. He exactly. made you that way. Yeah. You can't on one hand say, God doesn't make mistakes. He made you beautifully, wonderfully made and then tell somebody on the other hand who you are is wrong. Well, and then you what know? I was told um, a number of years ago and then had heard in other places was like, well, this is the cross God gave you to bear. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, you like, made me like this, but you don't but want me to burden? be like this. What? Yeah. But I'm supposed to, I've literally heard people say like, yeah, no, God made you that way. But like, your cross to bear is that you'll have to be single. And like, you can't, you can't have like romantic love. And I always go back to this because I remember in 2000. 13, I think it was, the Mormon church, uh, they changed a rule in, oh, in the I, faith. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it, it really, really bothered me because uh, there's a fantastic movie called Prayers for Bobby that was on Lifetime. It was with Susan Sarandon. It talks about this young boy, Bobby, who came out and he was super Christian and like he jumped off an overpass into traffic and killed mm. himself. Um, and she she does this great speech called A Child is Listening in the in the um, in the film where she's talking to the city council about the ways that they address LGBTQ people. Um, and for me, I thought about that when the Mormon church changed their policy because the policy became, it's, it's not a sin to be gay, but you can't act on it. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's 37 kinds of ways of fucked up, but I'm not even going (laughs) to deal with that. But what really bothered me was like, what about the 70 year old man who has a wife, kids, grandkids, who, when he was 17, was told that being gay was wrong mm. and that he'd go straight to hell and you better get rid of that and you better find you a wife and have you some kids and, li- and grow up a family. And I'm 70 years old now, and now I hear you tell me it's actually not a sin to be gay. Yeah, yeah. But I can't act on it. Like, the book didn't change. God didn't change. What we believe about faith didn't change. So what's different? Right. Mm-hmm. And it has really profoundly like impacted me to think about what it must be like to then hear like doctrine change because the pastor changed their mind mm. yeah. or because the board changed their mm-hmm. mind or because the church changed its mind. And it's like, that is awful. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like that Absolutely. is awful to like, wait, so did I live a lie because my pastor didn't like it mm. or my pastor didn't get the message right mm-hmm. or, or misinterpreted some, you know what I mean? Like that has always really, really bothered me. It's uh, heartbreaking. That's, that's always been my thing with church in general. I also haven't grown, grown up in the church my whole life um, is the orthodoxy and the policy of what church is and how it changes. Um, even far back as like the council of Trent, council of Nicaea, mm-hmm. it's always been men deciding how we're supposed to be close to Absolutely. God. Absolutely. What, what, what makes sense for you and this and that today could be something different tomorrow. Um, even in the Bible, there's, I consider it a funny story, uh, but it's probably not funny when it happened. They talk about castration, and they talk about circumcision mm-hmm. and all that. And they castrated some men to show that they wanted to become Christians. And Paul's like, oh, you don't have to do that. I'm oh, sorry? Like, wh- what? Come again? Right? <laughs> like, I didn't have to do this? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Like, seriously. Yeah. That, it's always been the, one of the funniest oh. stories to me in the Bible. I'm like, could you imagine that dude that went and did that to show how much he wanted to be a Christian? And exactly. Paul's like, no, that's cool. We don't have to do that. Yeah. No, no, no. That's Why'd you do that? Right? So I'm like, wow. that, and it's something we still do to this day. Like, oh, oh you got to sure. do this. You got to do that. And I've always thought to myself, 
I don't think God thinks that way. Yeah. I, I just, don't think God thinks yeah. that way. I don't. I will tell you that um, I always feel like I sound ridiculous when I tell this story. But I I started thinking differently about God one day listening to an Oprah interview. Don't do me. <laughs> um, but, like, someone was asking her about, like, how she responded to criticism, like, on Twitter and, like, all the mm-hmm, backlash. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. And, like, he, people in America hold Oprah up as, as high as we can hold yes. a person, right? Yes. And I remember thinking, like, huh. If Oprah's not tripping off of, like, the way that people talk about her and the things that... I, was, I just started, It made me start thinking, like, if we took that and multiplied it times a million in God... God who like created the universe mm-hmm. according to what we believe and created each and every one of us. Like I started to have real challenges with the idea of like how jealous God was supposed to be mm. and how hateful God was supposed to be and how spiteful God was supposed to be and how petty God was supposed to right. be. You know what I mean? Like right. I was just having real challenges around like the idea that God was so much like us. And I remember someone saying like, um, God created man and man turned around and returned the favor. And it was like, yeah, we've made God all of the things that we are, but like, I don't see God as a guy yeah, exactly. sitting in some robe on the exactly. front. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like yeah. God is so much more than that. Like mm-hmm. I get that we have to put God into like terms in which we can understand and yeah. try to comprehend as best we can. Mm-hmm. But it just, it, it really started making me think differently about like, who is God? What right, is God? Right, How right. does God operate? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's not like exactly everything that I've mm-hmm. always thought it was. Yeah, I, I completely have gone way. My mom, if she listened to this, will, <laughs> will attest to this. My idea about God is so different now. Yeah. Because. Then from when you were growing up. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, and I, it started with one thought about when you said, you know, God being a man and him. Yeah. I asked myself, does God have a penis? I was just gonna say right? the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. why does God need genitalia? Yeah, why right. Him him? That's. And I, asked I my, actually have never heard that before, but it makes complete sense right. to yeah. ask that. I asked my mom that at the dinner table one day. I'm like, does, does God have a penis? And she's like, well, why? What are you talking about? I'm like, well, seriously, why do we always call him him and mm-hmm. Heavenly Father and all this stuff? Because technically, if God was a man, he's half. Com- he's not complete. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it can't be God. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and I, I always think about like how patriarchal so many religions are, oh, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. We talk oh, about yeah. women in in various different religious books in like ways that are completely disparaging and demeaning and degrading. Hundred percent. But like. It, it's a moment if there's like a female pr- pastor or she's an anomaly, mm-hmm. right? Oh, like, for sure. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And like, I'm like, mm, you mean to tell me like, God feels that way? Right. Mm, that doesn't make sense so, right. You no. know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I just, I've always been really challenged by the ways that like these different things kind of trickle down. And it's like, it always starts with men telling us like, who we are, what, and like always from the frame of reference of a, of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, we also kind of see that like in government today, right? Like it makes no sense that like our reproductive rights panel is a, a group of old white men deciding what happens the to women's body. The entire thing is exactly, old white right? men, yeah. And like, we'll bring in a woman to be on a panel, like to testify and then tell her about what it's like to have a period. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or like what it's like to be pregnant right. or what it's like to have an abortion or when it's appropriate for her to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. yeah. 
I do think that, um, well, maybe I don't, but I'm hoping that'll mm. change eventually. <laughs> I'm hoping. I shouldn't say I do think. Yeah, I'm very, hoping. She's very hopeful. I know. I try to stay positive. Yeah. I, I really do. <laughs> I am super hopeful and like optimistic about things. And like, I, I do know that like I've become more and more jaded though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's easy to. Like, you know what I mean? Too. Yeah, but yeah. It's easy yeah. to. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I do have one question for you. When it comes to. Sexual equality, gender equality, and racial equality. Which do you? How do you think they rank in this country? Mm. You ain't walking me down that path. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> they yes. are three very different things. Yeah, I don't think absolutely. people realize. So I'm curious in this country, like how you think they're ranked? Um, how are they ranked, or how should they be ranked? Let's do both. I think they are probably ranked with gender. Um, you said sex and race. Sexual, yeah. Sex and then race. race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think uh, it should be ranked? Um, I th- I don't think they should be. Mm, okay. I feel like because of intersectionality, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Because you can, if we rank it with gender, sexuality, and race, like that means like you have to be a woman before you can be a gay a gay person before you can be black. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like the way that those kinds of things get prioritized, I just don't really rock with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like you should be able to show up fully who you are and be accepted, included, um, welcome, embraced, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I don't know that that's ever going to happen here. Mm-hmm. I would love for it to. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that we, we do that. I think, uh, <laughs> I think race probably does come before gender, actually, if I'm if I'm uh, if I could change that, because, I mean, being a white man is still better than being a white woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's still a hierarchy even within and uh, within race and within gender and within yeah. sexuality. So, yeah. Yeah. Carmel, what about you? So I guess if we take that example, like if it's a straight white male of those three characteristics, uh, I feel like is male gonna be first, then white, then straight, or is it white, male, then straight? I think it would be white first because if you can, I think the whiteness supersedes everything yeah. else. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I I often think like, what would America be without white supremacy? Mm. And it's like, oh, there wouldn't be America, right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, that's. Like I was, I was on a plane. Um, I'm sorry, I don't want to. No, cut no, you no. Off. Go ahead. I was, I was uh, sitting in an airport, and like someone had mentioned the movie Pocahontas, and I was like, Oh my god, I haven't watched Pocahontas in a minute. Right. And so I was sitting at the gate, and I turned it on. It was on Netflix, and I was like, This is problematic as <laughs> shit. <laughs> like within like the first 20 minutes, I was like, Oh my god. And we're talking about the cartoon one. The yeah. cartoon, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And like they're right. talking about the savages that yes. we have to go clear, yes. right? Like. And it's I was bad. like, oh it's my yeah. God, yeah. this is Girl. trash. Yeah. And thinking like. And it's not even historically accurate. Uh, but that's that a part alone, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're not even going to get into the history <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, this message of like how white people have to come over and tame the savages and clear them so that we can take this land. Like, yeah. America is literally founded in white supremacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say it's like founded in protest and, and white supremacy because like, America was like in protest to England, right? And and the ways that we were, we wanted to have something different, and 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 we're pushing against, you know, uh, being a British colony. Mm-hmm. And so, I think often about how like 
whenever black folks protest, like, oh, it's unpatriotic, and, you know, you're taking a knee, it's disrespectful to the right, flag, and, right. and all of those different things, and it's like, no, this country was founded on that shit. Right. Like, that's literally how we got that's here. Literally. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Can you let everyone know where they can find you online? Yes, you can find me on the social medias at Jared Hill, uh, two R's, two T's, and uh, JarrettHill.com, the Twitter, the Instagram, and then uh, weekdays uh, at 10 Pacific at 1 o'clock Eastern on Drop the Subject on Channel Q. Um, we're on in 35 cities around the country, and we stream live every day at wearechannelq.com slash listen. So uh, check us out there, and uh, yeah. Cool. Any other Do projects it. you're working on currently? Girl, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the most exciting one you're working on? Um, I've got uh, a book that will be coming out next year Very about cool. this extraordinary black man named Reggie Webb, who is one of the pioneers at McDonald's. He was like the highest ranking black person at McDonald's in the seventies and had a, a real big impact on shifting how they dealt with uh, diversity and inclusion by leaving the company. Um, and, uh, I'm excited about that and pitching television shows and I have a new pod coming next year. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good things. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining and we will talk to y'all next week. Late. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Need to Talk the Podcast and Twitter at underscore We Need to Talk underscore. And this episode of We Need to Talk is brought to you by Black Brew, the darkest, richest, boldest coffee anywhere.